Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the True Achievements podcast. It is a Gamescom special. Joining me today, I have my accomplice who joined me in Germany for Gamescom. It is Dave. Hello. Hi. You recovered? Well, yes, that's what I was just about to mention. So you may notice that Gamescom was not yesterday or the day before, but actually about two weeks ago now. Is that about right? Yeah. God. Okay, so it's taken us this long to recover. (laughs) No, we got back from Gamescom. Normally we record while we're over there, but our days and evenings were so chock full that we didn't have a spare half an hour or hour each day to actually record. We cut our trip a little bit shorter than normal, which meant that we crammed more in than ever before, uh, which was awesome. But it meant that um, we didn't have time to record. And then when we got back, I'd lost my voice. And then it's just busy days at work trying to catch up with everything. So fortunately, we've made notes on all the games we've played, at least a list of the games we've played. (laughs) We've played a lot of games at Gamescom. So we're going to cover the... I mean, there's over 40, so we're not going to talk about them all, but we'll talk about the ones that uh, made the biggest impression on us. When we, we, we arrived on Monday uh, afternoon in Cologne and checked into the hotel, and then unusually, uh, EA didn't have a conference on the Monday night. They normally do a showcase on the Monday night, um, which we've, we've been to in previous years. But uh, this year, they didn't. However, there was a showcase to go to, Dave, um, which you went to. Yeah, it was a Square Enix one. It was uh, a little bit more comfortable than the EA ones. They had big plush leather Ooh. seats and recliners because it was in a a cinema, basically. Oh, lovely! So there was no go- no gameplay, but it was quite interesting. So they went through two games. They did Life is Strange two and Just Cause four, which I can talk about now because the embargo's passed. Woo! Oh yeah, that's another reason why <laughs> we haven't recorded until today. <laughs> And so they did it quite well. It was obviously the big, massive cinema screen, and then they showed a trailer for both games, and then they ha- they had people involved in making the games up on stage, talking about them while they played a little bit of it, giving you some insight into the thought behind some of the things that had gone into it. So Life is Strange 2, they released the trailers, I think, probably the day after I saw it. So a lot of the news that they kind of announced then has actually been announced. But you're playing as two brothers this time. Well, you play as one brother, the older one, and he's got his younger brother with him. There's something that happens early in the story, which we saw, but I'm not going to reveal because it'll spoil it if you haven't seen it. So this thing happens and it brings back, you know, the supernatural kind of vibe that was going on in the original. I don't think it's time this time around. I don't think it, you can manipulate time, but he, he seemed to black out one of the brothers and something happened and the two brothers went on the run. So it's kind of following their journey. It's all, you know, the same team who made the first game and all that kind of stuff. Same, they even brought back, like there was a particular music style in the first game. That uh, okay. A lot of people love, so they got the same composers and everything on board. And basically you're following these two brothers as they kind of journey across the USA. So they said it was like a road movie type structure. Okay. That's interesting. So we played, we actually got to play some of this um, in a separate session. Yeah. Uh, but the road movie thing was not obvious to me. We, we were just thrown into the session and we got to play maybe like the first half an hour of the game, something like that. Yeah. You, we played just before the event, like the building up to that event. That... Yeah. Okay. Because I didn't know what you meant by the event. <laughs> you have to tell me about that later. <laughs> but. Um... I really enjoyed what we played of it the first half an hour or so. It was really, uh, it reminded me of Life is Strange, but without the annoying like dialogue. Yeah. Was a terrible dialogue. <laughs> the family seemed really nice. The, the brother's dad seemed awesome. There were some really cool moments between them. Uh, lots of little exploration-y bits where you wander around the room picking up things, giving you a bit of a backstory. But yeah, I thought the characters seemed really interesting. In fact, I would say on the first half an hour, they seem more interesting than the ones in the original Life is Strange. Yeah. Not sure if that's fair or not, but they grabbed me pretty much straight away. There's a bit of an interesting mechanic going on, which they kind of touched on, but didn't explain fully, so they didn't reveal too much. But as you're playing as the older brother, it's your job to kind of, you know, teach your younger brother as you're going through the game. And the things that you teach him might change events later on. So one of the examples they gave was the, the the young brother has like a favorite chocolate bar. Yep. And at some point you find this chocolate bar. I can't remember where it was. It was like on a bench just sat there or in a car or something. And the brother's pleading, you know, can we take it? Can we take it? I'm really hungry. And you've got to decide like, yes, we'll take it. No, we won't. And then later on, some point in the game, 
your brother will remember that choice, so he might steal something if you taught him it's okay to steal something. And that oh, okay, yeah. Things like that. Standard. Yeah. Telltale style consequence system. Yeah. Um, anyway, I thought it, I thought it was pretty neat, but that wasn't the main game that I was excited about that you went to see. That was, of course, Just Cause Four. So this was pretty chaotic because they said, obviously, if you played any Just Cause game, you know that yes, it's just physics based, so anything can happen. So they were play, playing the demo, and he said, "We've got no idea what's going to happen in this because." <laughs> we could hit uh, like a big tank of fuel and everything's going to blow up or we might not. So um, <laughs> it's the biggest and most diverse world they've done in any of the games. And just cause three had a pretty big world, I thought. So that's yeah, sounds like going to be massive. They've improved massive. loads of elements from the first game, the wingsuits, the parachutes, the grappling hook and all that kind of stuff. There's more things you can do now with the grappling hook, you know, chaining things together and doing... It's got mods and stuff, hasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. sounds awesome. One of the things they did show was um, they had a tank and these mods that you can put on now. So you put balloons on this tank, but then you can set the balloons to only lift things to a certain height in like this <laughs> in the menu so he changed them so it could only go like 15 feet off the floor then he put some rocket boosters on the back and then he jumped in a tank and he was just flying over a base destroying it and then while he was Amazing. doing it they revealed i think it was typhoons or hurricanes or something a few yeah. weeks back so another element of the weather is going to be lightning and okay it's done kind of realistic where you know the lightning will go for the highest point around yes. So while he was cruising around in the air in this tank, it started lightning and he was like, oh dear, I'm going to get hit now. So yeah, it all went on. But yeah, it just seems more just cars, as mad as ever, probably even madder than ever. More cars, (laughs) just more crazy. cannot wait. cannot wait to play it. It's out um, this year, isn't it? Yeah, end of this year. Yeah, I think it's like early. Come on. Okay, sweet. Oh yeah, it's the last, I think it's the last big title of the year. I'm very much looking forward to that. So, okay, so that covered Monday night, and then um, Tuesday we had to get up bright and early, even though we decided to go out very late on Monday night, um, to go and see the Xbox Showcase. So uh, Tuesday at Gamescom is the trade day, which means it's just press and trade allowed in, uh, at least in the morning. But normally the time you get in is uh, 9 o'clock, but they allowed Xbox Showcase visitors to get in at 8, and they got special access to the Xbox floor, which had... Quite a lot of games in it. No, um, not many of them were Microsoft Studios games. Yeah. Um, but there were lots of us, lots of games for us to play and, and no cues for, for us to wait for. So <laughs> we managed to get our hands on quite a lot of stuff. Predictably, the first moment we walked in, we saw the McLaren Senna uh, on the stage and walked straight over to the Forza Horizon 4 area. <laughs> I stopped to take a picture of the McLaren Senna. <laughs> and by the time I'd snapped the picture, Rich already had headphones on playing Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> yes, unfortunately now, my headphones were not working properly, uh, although Dave tells me afterwards that it was actually because I hadn't turned the volume up. But I couldn't hear any of the audio. And Forza Horizon games in particular, uh, the audio track and the music, and they're all a big part of the experience, yeah. especially on that 10-minute demo. Uh, which is sort of a choreographed demo. So while it felt amazing, the handling was all wonderful and it was more Forza, I, I didn't feel I got the full experience. No. Since then, I've been to the Forza preview event at McLaren last week, which I can't talk about, but I've played a lot more of the game. So uh, because I can't talk about any of that, I, and because I'm, I mucked up my headphones, I think, Dave, you should, you should give us your first impressions of Forza Horizon 4. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think... They didn't seem like a massive change, you know, from Forza Horizon 3. That's not particularly a bad thing because Forza Horizon 3 was amazing. Obviously, the biggest thing that they've changed this time is the seasons and the like. The the demo that we did is, what, maybe seven, eight minutes long, I guess? Yeah. And it kind of transitions through the different seasons as you go. So you obviously get the world changing. That seemed to make a, a massive difference visually. But it also yep. noticeably hand changed the handling of the cars. Like when it's snowing, it was kind of like as if you've played Blizzard Mountain DLC mm-hmm. in Horizon 3. You know, you, you lose all kind of grip and stuff. I, I said to them, we were out and we saw them one night, and I was saying, like, it, it seems really hard to put across how much of a difference the seasons make on the game without mm-hmm. you actually getting hands on and feeling it for yourself. Because, I mean, it's dead easy just to go, oh, yeah, it looks different. 
Yeah, for but sure. They basically built four worlds. So even though we went to like a um, a presentation, didn't we? I think the day after. Yep, I was just about to talk about it. Yeah, and they basically said like they built the world four times. So even though the map's kind of similar size to Horizon Three, they've had to do it in four different ways. So it's it seems pretty massive, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, there's certain parts of the map that are only accessible in certain seasons. Yeah, um, which is pretty cool. The, I think the main, obviously, the setting of Britain is is another major change. And as anyone that's driven around the UK um, will know, that it was just amazing to see <laughs> yeah. the detail and the like, the road signs and everything is just. I mean, it's, I know it sounds silly, but it's just it is just Britain, and it's just really nice to have a really accurate representation. One of the things that stood Britain out for me just seems really pointless. But do you know uh, the little plastic barriers they put when you, these roadworks yeah. going, like yeah, you went past one of them, and, and it's like that's totally what you see every day. <laughs> um, another big change is that certainly um, objects that would be not destructible in Forza Horizon Three are destructible in this so there was certain i was coming up to a big corner and i didn't even bother breaking i just thought i'm just gonna hit use the wall because i could see the wall on the on the corner just to bend me around and i ended up just going through the wall i mean it was only a small stone wall but in three i would have expected that wall to to bounce me back into the middle of the road but it didn't do that just just hurtled through um so that that was quite interesting then i think the other stuff that was I, i completely wasn't aware about um or wasn't aware of was the amount of content that's coming each week. So, yeah. just to explain how the the base game works. Oh, I'm not actually, actually I'm not allowed to do that yet. I won't explain how the base game works. But each week um, there will be new events uh, for that season. So each week in real time is a season in the game, and everybody in the world that's on the game server will be playing that season. Uh, and at the end of that season, a new season will ar- arrive and there'll be a whole load of new content to play and new challenges, new, I think even new vehicles that are, are tied to that season. I think they don't unlock them all straight away. Yeah, I think that's right. Probably, don't, yeah. don't quote me on that. Um, and then at the end of each year, there's going to be a whole load of new stuff that's released as well. So every four weeks in real time, there's going to be even more new stuff that's coming. So it sounds like the support for this game is going to stretch uh, well into 2019 and beyond probably. And it sounds like they're making it into more of a, like a game, like a service, where there's just constantly loads of new stuff to do all the time, which is quite cool because they're big old games. And um, they, uh, certainly if you're trying to go for the 100 or complete all the championships, that's quite a grindy, yeah. uh, long, long thing. At least there's going to be a lot of variation in the uh, locations and the weather and all sorts of other stuff uh, in this one, which sounds pretty cool. And they're, and they're going to drip feed it out over the course of the release, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, I have to say, and I can talk more about it when the embargo is up on the on the stuff that I <laughs> captured last week. But um, yeah, that was pretty special. The other thing is we've got the achievement list now. Yeah, and the general consensus is obviously it's hard to tell from achievement list that it looks a slightly easier completion or a shorter completion than three because it doesn't have a com- complete all the championships achievement. There's um, a few other bits like uh, they mentioned Farzathon. Oh, yes. So in the past, I think it was like once a week, they just kind of dump a load of Farzathon challenges on you. And this time, there's going to be hourly, weekly, and daily Farzathon events. Hourly? Yes. Wow. I remember in one of the streams he showed, like one of them was like a group one that you had to do. So it was maybe like, you know, get so many drift points and you had to team up and all do it. Kind of like, you know, some of the challenges you get in like Destiny, for example, where you all meet up. Yeah, yeah, for like sure. That stuff like that and the other big thing they kind of mentioned which does look quite cool was uh the clubs feature yeah club integration Mm -hmm. so they're integrating it with the kind of xbox clubs that we use now like ta's got a club from what i I understood it i don't know if you understood the same it's not you you don't link into the ta club it'll be a separate club limited to 2000 members that was the one thing so that's double what you used to be able to do but then you can set up you can message and have set up sessions with each other and all that kind of stuff directly. Yeah, it's got looking for group and chat and um, you can upload logos and all of that stuff. So your your clubs basically have all the functionality of an Xbox club, but within within Forza. But they also allow you to use all the Xbox ecosystem. So all the messaging and all that goes through your Xbox rather than... So you don't actually have, have to be playing the game to get your messages, Yeah, uh, which is pretty cool. does look good. Uh, there were other stuff as well. They were talking about um, player versus player... 
changes. So there's a lot of stuff based around team adventure. Yeah. Um, so one of the things they found was that in existing multiplayer games, whoever's there's this pretty obvious before the start of the race who's going to win if there's someone that's far better than everybody else. So by making everybody play in teams and everybody in the team can earn points depending on the position they finish, then it feels like it. it you know, everyone's got a chance of, of helping the team, yeah. which I really like the idea of that. I thought that was pretty cool. And there's also a ranked adventure mode, which you've got 12 qualifying rounds, I think, before you can get into the proper thing. And then there's 20 leagues as well, which updates at the end at the end of each season. Yeah. So you compete online and then you get promotion and relegation at the end of that uh, based on how you've done in the season before. So it's absolutely enormous. We also saw the Halo-themed event, <laughs> which is just nuts. So they've been working with 343. Uh, you're driving a Warthog uh, as Master Chief. It's just insane. Like Cortana's doing the voiceover, like the commentary of the, of the mission. It's just incredible racing. And you've got all the Halo uh, enemy ships that you'd expect flying around the big Halo I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but the big halo halo, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is visible in the background as you're driving around. So I think that's only a small part of the game, but it just shows how much effort they put into just that one little level. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, from what we saw, it was absolutely <laughs> nuts. Uh, seriously impressive. So as I say, we'll have more about um, Forza Horizon 4 in the coming weeks. I can't tell you when the embargo date is, but it's soon. Um, and we've got some capture to show off. So there's lots of cool stuff to reveal for that. Wow, that was a big one. Okay, then also we played some Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Which was in a tomb. Oh, no, it was actually quite sort of quite a long period up until you got to a tomb. But visually, absolutely stunning. Lara's ace, the movement's really cool. The tra- I thought the transitions between the cutscene type things or bits where, not even really cutscenes, but bits where you lose control of the character and the character goes off and does something automatically to when it comes back into your control were done brilliantly. Yeah. That's something the Uncharted games do really, really well. I thought that was excellent. There's a bit where you're you're swimming through like a underground river between some rocks and you have to squeeze through this really thin passageway and it's like it's quite tense. Yeah, I was like you really, really get a feeling in that moment. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing, wasn't it? I was very impressed with that. Uh I think we are in the middle of reviewing that at the moment. Yeah. So we'll have a review up on the site, I think, in a few days for Rise of the Tomb Raider. But I was certainly pretty impressed with what we saw. Uh, it made, definitely made me want to play that game. Uh, we played a traditional game of Pez, <laughs> uh, which Dave was confused by the controls. He's used to the FIFA controls, <laughs> but um, it still beat me 1-0, if I remember correctly. That game's out now. It is. So it, you can pick it up. The thing with Pez is it always whenever I play a Gamescom, it always looks beautiful, like really stunning. Yeah. And one after a while you get kind of get used to the control and the feel of it probably is more accurate than FIFA. But then the game modes and stuff just seem boring. They don't they don't seem to really update anything each year. They just kinda update the kits, gloss it over a bit and then put it out again. I don't know. Yeah, and they have they've lost some of the licenses that they had last year as well. So yeah. um it's a real shame. Let's talk about State of Decay 2. So I played that. I'm not sure you did. No, I didn't go in that one. Okay, so I played it and I went to the presentation. So this was like a new horde mode. mode, okay. uh, Zombie horde mode. It's called Daybreak. Uh, there are basically an area that you need to protect, uh, which has got a technician in it that's trying to do something with an antenna type thing. And you have to basically, you've got to protect him. But in order to protect him, you build barricades around the area. Uh, there's seven waves. Each wave gets progressively harder. Dying in this mode doesn't affect your progress in the main game, which is obviously would have been a disaster because it's, <laughs> it's permadeath in the main game for any of the characters. Yeah. However, there's some stuff in this mode that can be taken back into the main game. So some of the weapons that you unlock in horde mode, you can then go and use. I think you can sell the blueprints to your to your crew in the main game, which is a pretty cool way of doing things. Yeah. There's some pretty mental zombies in there. You can play up to four-player co-op uh, in the horde mode and it gives you npcs if there's not four of you from my experience of playing it on my own the npcs weren't very good <laughs> we died quite a lot but i actually really enjoyed the level i thought it was pretty cool new zombies in there as well loads of new weapons and the whole thing if you do it without dying if you do it in one go it's about 45 minutes to do the seven waves so it's, it's pretty hefty bit of content uh, there's no achievements in it i believe i think that's right 
Did I write that down? <laughs> I think that's we'll right. Go with it. I didn't write that down, but it's, I seem to remember that there's no new achievements in it. So yeah, that was pretty interesting. Uh, then we played Spyro, which was a well. Everyone knows what Spyro is. It's a sort of dragony <laughs> platformery game. Uh, we played, which I think was pretty much the tutorial level. It was the world's easiest level of any platform. I'm rubbish at platforms, but even <laughs> I comfortably completed this one. Uh, it was just getting a feel of the game. It probably didn't really give us a proper impression of the game. It was just really simple. And, it was quite short and easy. And Yeah. So uh, I haven't really got an opinion on that. It looked pretty. It looked Nintendo-ish. Yeah. So I suppose <laughs> it's the biggest compliment you can give it. Um, then we played some Formula One. Yeah. Uh, which was a Formula One game. Yeah. <laughs> I think two years on the trot now, whenever I've gone to play it, something's been wrong. <laughs> like last oh, yeah, year it was in driving line. This time I had it was in manual gears and clutch and everything. And I just <laughs> <laughs> gave up quick. <laughs> um I quite enjoyed this. I actually played it again at a different time and got got into it a lot more. Uh it, it's a really quality game. I, I think it's got a lot to it. There's so much depth to it as well. There's a whole um, management system behind your character. You've got to get them contracts, um, how you react in interviews. So there's like a whole dialogue tree wheel going on after each each race. You have to be interviewed by the press. And um, the way you respond will affect how your crew's morale is and how your um, team management, whether they want to keep you on for, a, you know, further contract it's all about earning the next contract you can change different teams as a driver it's, it seemed really really deep actually i was amazed at how much depth there is behind the actual just the racing stuff it felt like the racing was about two-thirds of the game but there's a whole extra third on on other stuff to do so um i think that really adds something because i would imagine if you're a regular formula one game purchaser you probably think what is there to get me to buy it again this year because yeah the tracks are pretty much the same every year. So there's there's a good reason for you if you want a bit more depth to the game. Um, I think that was everything we played. Oh, no, we played some Metro Exodus. Now, I did not get on with this game. Now, the re- I should point out about something interesting about Gamescom. When you're at Gamescom, there are lots of rooms that are set up for you to play games in. And they have Xbox One Xs and PS4 Pros and PCs all set up. You've got your controller there. You've normally got a nice headset. Occasionally, you've got a a capture thing that you can just plug a drive in and grab the game. But the the most important thing, really, is the screen that you're going to be playing on. Yeah. And (laughs) for some reason, um, for Metro Exodus, they had absolutely huge tellies, but right in front of you. So... I don't know whether it's because I was hungover, but I really struggled to, <laughs> to concentrate on this game. It felt like the screen was way too big for the distance I was away from it. Yeah, because uh, we played this in like the public area, didn't we, on that? Yeah, and they were they were big old tellies, but only a foot away from you. It's where they normally ram as many people as possible. In, yeah, there's in, not a lot of space, but I, don't, I just think face. if they'd have reduced the size of that screen, it would have been yeah. a better experience. Um, which may or may not be fair, but that it must have been what, 32 inches or something. And yeah, stood, but a foot away, like, a foot away from it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks very beautiful. Uh, <laughs> tell me about Metro Exodus. I'm struggling to think of something. Well, the, the thing is, it can do it. was a little bit overwhelming because you stepped in, you know, you've got 10 minutes, say, to, yeah. to play this before they shuffle you out because it wasn't like a we didn't have an appointment to play it like a press one. We just saw it on the stand. And then the first probably two minutes were like a big in-depth tutorial about this and this is crafting and this oh, is this. It was a video, wasn't it? Yeah. This is kind of like how you use your crossbow and you got to find this and do this. But it then was it, it was even more complicated. Though. It was like, right, you just need to hold down the shoulder button, press A and B, and then up on the D-pad, and then you'll <laughs> open your binoculars. It was like, what? I'm supposed to remember all this stuff. And there was just so many combinations of buttons. And I was straight away, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not going to remember any of this stuff. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah, that was the sort of tutorial video, um, and then it sort of threw you into you sort of wake up in a stream. Sort of, I think does someone save your yeah, life? Somebody or kind of you picks up? you up and pulls you out, and then you, you're off, aren't you? And it was very linear. I don't know if that's just because it was the demo level, or if that's the actual yeah. game. No, but I imagine it's not that linear. So you kind of walk. There was a 
I know you ran out of ammo, didn't you? Like I yeah, walked in instantly. and explored a little <laughs> bit and got some crossbow bullets and things. But then the main thing I think of it was you came across like an enemy camp, but it kept saying don't get spotted because there's yeah. loads of them. But the start of you getting to this enemy camp is you getting spotted on a bridge. Yeah, the only entrance can't... to the camp <laughs> is over a bridge where they, they're waiting for you. So there's no way to avoid. At least I didn't figure out a way to do that. Well, I figured out later you could kind of go down the side and round, but you've already alerted them. So you're not really hidden. They're kind of on the lookout for you. Yeah. And then I shot um, a few people, died, and then they kind of went, right, that's demo over. Can you uh, move on, please? So, yeah, was, <laughs> I didn't I didn't, I didn't. enjoy it, I have to say. I don't know whether it was the mood I was in or the screen or whatever it was or the lack of ammo. I think I'm not really a stealth games type of guy. But even when I was trying to be stealthy, it didn't work. It was just yeah. frustrating. So, I don't know. I was really excited about that game, but I've lost all my excitement, unfortunately. Uh, other people are very excited, though, so don't take my word for it. If you like stealthy games and you like Metro, it's probably one for you. Yeah. Um, something I was very excited about, though, was The Division 2. Yes. Shout out to <laughs> Treasy. So we queued up on the floor for this, but we only had to queue up for about 10 minutes, which was pretty cool. Uh, I know when the public were allowed in, that queue got to several hours <laughs> long <laughs> eventually. We were playing in teams of four, and we were paired up with a couple of German guys, I thought the weapons felt spectacularly good, really, really good handling, uh, great sound, graphics were fantastic. It was it was generally great, but it made me think: Is this game only going to work if you're in a big, you know, in a team of four? Which I think is a bit of a limitation of the first one as well. Um, it's a, it's a purely you can't really play it as a single player experience, can you? And get anywhere in it? You can, but it's it's definitely not as fun. It's a bit yeah. But I really enjoyed what we played. I thought it was I thought it was really good. Yeah, it was good. The only problem was the guy who was showing us like watching over us was German. Mm. Didn't really speak much English. So all the little things like you know, the gadgets and stuff like even the instructions on how to play, like they give yeah, you like, a controller diagram was in German. So all the little kind of things that made the division one really good, you know, little gadgets like putting a turret up and that kind of stuff. I didn't I couldn't remember where any of that was, but the level we played was quite interesting. Like there was a big yellow level boss at the end we had to kill, and I don't know, it was probably about fifteen minutes we played something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we intense. opened up into um, like an airfield. There was a plane there. Um, uh, yeah, I, I got onto the top of the plane and then I just walked, walked into a door or walked through a doorway, <laughs> and then I just died straight away. I was like, "What the hell was that?" And then the camera sort of panned round, and that enormous boss thing. I basically <laughs> just walked into his house and said, "Hello, mate," without realizing it. <laughs> And he just pounded me once and I was dead, which was a bit frustrating. And then I was stuck on top of the plane, so no one could actually get up there to revive me. So that was a bit annoying. Um, we did, though. We, that, that was the gameplay, but we saw a presentation as well. We did. We? A very interesting presentation, actually. And yeah, and there was no kind of... They didn't really show any gameplay, did they? It was just some kind of making the game and the locations and stuff. And it was fascinating how much detail they go into actually making the world and everything believable. Like There was even a bit like they were putting... On the streets of Washington, they were putting cam- uh, sorry, uh, microphones out late at night, yeah. weren't they, just to get the sounds of the city while you're running through a game and not really paying attention to it, just to try and add that little extra touch. It was incredible. Yeah, no, it's amazing. So the game's based in Washington, and um, they've mapped it uh, inch by inch, pretty much. Yeah, they um, used Ardent survey maps, didn't they? Yeah, it's pretty much <laughs> spot on. In fact, they did some really cool stuff where they showed us pictures of actual streets and then showed us the same street in game and this this division two is seven months after division one is that right i think that was right yeah the timelines yeah. moved on and the outbreaks um obviously seven months down the line they showed a lot of like the the natural growth that had been taking place in the city so you'd get like trees overgrowing and grass they, that. they figured out how much ivy would grow in seven months, and then work that as how much it'd be in the world to put it in. It's, it's so much detail. Yeah, it was really impressive. I, I thought some of the they showed this picture of the underground station um, in real life, and then again um, seven months after the attack, and it was it was really really impressive actually. Um, you can go in the White House. Yeah, which is pretty cool. They spoke to lots of experts on how the services would cope. So how police and ambulance crews and firefighters would all deal with a real 
a real outbreak experience and what would happen to each of those things. So they've actually gone and spoke to a whole load of different experts on all this stuff. Um, they even had stuff about like the, where the different areas, if they're a rural area that's um, quite wealthy, then a lot of those people would have had time to leave yeah. and pack up and go somewhere else. Whereas the the less well-off places, it was just like trash rotting in the streets and yeah. everyone was still there. Um, it was it was really interesting. And, the, and Washington itself um, seems to have loads of different areas that make for a good game. So there's like an industrial area, the governmental area, obviously the historical area, and then the residential area as well. Um, plus all the water. We've got big lake there so it was it it looks like it's gonna be a really cool game i'm i'm excited about it can't wait i can't either I'm, it's not it's that, it's that next year that's next year isn't it it's not yeah i think it's like march next year yeah okay and then a game that you were not expecting to like dave <laughs> yeah uh, trials rising we got an hour with this uh, with the developers and it was awesome wasn't it why don't you tell us about your, your experience with the game okay so i'm not a fan of trials. I've, I think I've kind of put it in the Xbox for five minutes and realized I wasn't really good and left it there. So I've never kind of tried it. And I always thought I'd be pretty rubbish at it. So we walked into this and Rich has obviously played it a bit. So he, he got on it and was playing and was, you know, doing all this kind of stuff. And they were like, do you want to go? And I was like, oh, <laughs> well then. And I, it's so addictive. Like It's probably the same as previously for people who played it, but just I couldn't believe how fun it was. And, the best bit for me in this game is a tandem bike <laughs> and you both, so you play co-op with a person next to you and you both control 50% of like the gas and the brake and also the lean. Yeah. So just try to figure out this level. I mean, it's probably a really easy level, but just me and you try to figure uh, it yeah, out. It, and it was an amazing experience. It was absolutely fantastic. And you have to communicate because yeah. especially like Dave, Dave's not a, is it was the first time playing the game. So he, doesn't know how to do the bunny hop or the, you know, just the the way you need to be leaning if you're coming down a a heavy ramp or going up something really steep. So it just like having to communicate all the way through was really cool. And you're right. I mean, it was an easy level, but we had so much fun just trying to do it. We (laughs) we crashed and died so many times, but it was, it didn't matter. We were determined to get there. Um, And we tried one of the harder levels in tandem as well. And that was just (laughs) absolutely impossible. Yeah. We literally couldn't do anything, but um I did all right on the single player stuff. I got through the medium and the, I think I got through one of the hard levels, 72, yeah. 72 deaths, <laughs> but um, got there in the end. And as you say, it's just incredible. You don't want to put it down until you've got to the end of it. Yeah. All the ghost stuff's there. So you can play against uh, other players. You can see them there, but I think it's actually got real proper online multiplayer all at the same yeah. time as well now, which is a new thing for this. Uh, it's got the trials uh, university stuff which they've got one of the guys that makes how to uh, play trials videos on YouTube. He's doing a whole tutorial set of videos for that, which would be pretty cool. Um, It just seemed like a very big game. There's all stuff you can earn, like things to put on your helmet and stuff (laughs) on your bike and little weird little things, weren't there, that we were unlocking as we went through. But um, loads of fun. Uh, I can't wait to play the proper release, actually. No, I think the beta is isn't far away. I don't think is it. And I remember Jack. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jack's Jack's registered for the beta already. So Jack is our resident trials guru. <laughs> uh, he's going to enjoy it a lot, I think. But yeah, that game went from no interest at all to getting a go of it and thinking I'll probably pick that up. And I think one of the games is on Game Pass now, so you might. It is. Yeah, Trials Fusions on Game. Yeah, Pass. you might be able to get get some warming it's up. Installed. Oh, is it? Okay, excellent. <laughs> yeah, installed it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about um, some of the smaller games that we saw uh, the following day. So, um, Big Crown Showdown. Yeah, so the, I went into this knowing nothing about it. I watched the trailer for it just before we kind of went in, and there's a game on the Xbox called Night Squad, and I thought it would look pretty similar to that. Kind of the same kind of cartoony characters with knight's armor on in different colors um, the difference with this game is rather than being if you played night squad it's like a, a local game and it's kind of based on one map which is the screen and they might put a weapon in the middle of the screen you know and you have to try and get that yeah. this game is actually a platformer so that it's a platformer and the screen's automatically moving you know so you've got to keep moving okay. but at the same time you try to kill the other people who are playing with you and it's uh either local co-op or online only. There's no single player or, you know, bots to take their place or anything like that. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just really like we, I sat down for half an hour and then I didn't have an appointment straight after. So I ended up sitting down for like an hour just playing it with the dev and the PR person and somebody else just having a laugh. And it's one of them where like I think it'll be like a, I don't think it's going to be a highly recommended game for everybody. Some people just think it looks rubbish and it does look quite simplistic. But I think if you've got somebody and you've, you know, a family member who will play games yeah. in your house, then I think it'll be quite fun to have a go of. I'm just looking it up. So I assume it's probably coming on on ID. It is, yeah. But the what I played seemed really finished. We did quite a few different levels and there was all kinds of stuff going on, but they, they wouldn't be drawn on a release date or anything. So I oh, don't okay. Know. That's interesting. I don't know how far off it is. But what yeah, I we played don't have a release date. It also really doesn't finished. say it's coming out on ID, actually, on our site. So uh, not sure about that one. Okay. I presume it will be. Yeah, it looks like that's what we'll go. Um, I played some Crew 2 DLC, which is free. It's effectively wow. a title update. Unfortunately, it doesn't have any achievements with it, but it has lots of hovercraft in it. Uh, loads of new races, new vehicles, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, steering the hovercraft uh, was <laughs> awesome. You had to turn about 10 minutes before you got to it. <laughs> but once you got used to it, it was really satisfying. Like swinging the back of the hovercraft around, and then just as soon as you pick up enough speed, you just hit the apex, and it was really, really <laughs> getting into it by the end. Uh, absolutely spectacular! If you got the crew to download it when it hits, it's free. But unfortunately, no achievements. Boo. We've got some footage of that. That'll be we have in the next day or two. So ch- check out the YouTube yeah, check channel. Out, see how wonderful my driving was. Um, <laughs> did it have that French guy shouting all over it? Uh, yeah, but you can mute it out, so don't worry. Okay, good. That <laughs> was really annoying. We were playing it, and there's this French YouTuber that had set up a webcam on himself <laughs> that was just shouting, and whatever he said was coming in my headphones. That's all I could hear. <laughs> Sacre bleu! <laughs> that's, what, that's what they all say. Um, okay, and then while we were in Ubi, you played some Fort Honor. Yeah, this was uh, interesting. They've got the big marching fire update coming, I think it's October. So the, what they showed us was a sample of that. There was a bit that I'm not allowed to talk about for some reason. I, I, don't, I don't know when they embargo all this, but there's a mode that I played that I can't talk about. The other mode was this kind of interesting, it was just kind of like, a, it was, I think it was called arcade mode. And it was just like a little battle, but rather than just fighting the AI like you would in the single player campaign and going through, they kind of added modifiers to you so say what i had a modifier where my character was losing health constantly so you've got to be really quick and do you know you have like the little minions on the maps in yeah yeah, yeah. Front of, so you had to you had to kill them to gain a bit of health while you try to not die from the two big baddies hitting you and stuff like that and it kind of went in i think there was like four levels of this and i played it on easy i, I, I hadn't played far enough for about three or four months so i played it on easy breeze through that then he put it on the middle section and it just got brutal, like on the middle difficulty, sorry. And I just couldn't finish it. I played it for about 20 minutes, try to get through. And yeah, I was rusty, but it just seems like it's going to be quite difficult. And it goes up to like realistic difficulty that you actually get in the campaign. So okay, I don't know how much it's going to add to the game. It seemed like it'll be fun for a while. I don't know. if the, Hopefully there'll be lots of different maps and lots of different modifiers and all that and stuff to, you know, keep it fresh and maybe challenges and things like that but we'll see interesting okay um and then you played some dying light too uh yeah well i didn't play this was a presentation but it was an hour long this one and it was a really good presentation so they were building on the trailers that they showed at e3 basically so if you watch the, the trailer at e3 you'll remember there was like the scenario of there was like a water tower and you had a choice. Do you side with the people who yes. own the water tower or disagree with them and kill them basically? And then that consequence changes the world. So they, they went a lot more in depth into that and kind of showed the build up to that. So it'll change like similar to far on. If you played far on in like each month under the season, the winning team kind of, it changes the map. It was kind of like that. So whoever owns the map, so, for example, the the scenario showed the peacekeepers want to take the water tower, and if you side with them and kill the guys who own the water tower, then the whole area becomes really well run, and you know these stairs up to get into the water tower, and the water's running free for people, and everybody's having a good time, except they're quite brutal, 
and anybody who disagrees with them, they're just kind of clubbing people down in the street. But all around it, the area, you know, it all looked calm and nice. And then they showed it again, changing to the people who owned the water tower at the beginning, and you sided with them. And then when you went back to that area, it was kind of all overgrown and a mess, and you had to park hard to get everywhere because everything was blocked off, fires okay. burning in the streets and stuff. But then they're running like their own little black market for water, so you can kind of side with them, and then you get like a little share, a bit of money back from them and stuff like that. But then, so he showed all that, and he said, but the thing is, then he rewound again and went, this bit has come from making previous choices, so you might get to this time, and it's already a black market because you've done something in the past and you can't change it. So, and they said there's like a hundred of these big, significant kind of choices that you'll make throughout the game that will totally change the experiences you go on. So, I, th- I think it, what they're planning sounds ambitious, but it it looks really cool. Okay. I mean, you, everybody should get a different experience. There was uh, some people were asking about things like the co-op that was in the first game. You will be able to join other people's games and play, and they'll give you kind of a glimpse into. You know, change different choices would have worked, yeah. but no kind of progress tracks over to your game because obviously your world might be completely different with different, different choices. Yeah. But any kind of weapons and XP and stuff like that that you pick up will be carried over. But again, that was a game that I went into not really knowing a lot about because I didn't play Dying Light one, and I came away thinking, like, I've really got to play this. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, speaking of something else that I've really got to play, uh, I played some Rage Two. Now we do have. A video going up uh, with Mark's. The video's up, but Mark's doing a preview as well. Oh, the video's already up. Okay, well, uh, you can watch my entire gameplay uh, session. I'm going to spoil the last two minutes of this podcast now by saying it's the best thing I played at Gamescom <laughs> this year. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It is crazy, mad, um, beautiful, just nuts. The weapons are awesome. The stuff you can do is insane. Um and I didn't even get to drive any cars or, or experience the world. It was all just within a small area. But, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Check out the video. But, yeah, it was my highlight of Gamescom. From watching it, you can definitely see where id Software have kind of put their yeah. shooting mechanics on because it's very Doom-esque in that it's like constant forward motion. You've got to kill people to pick up ammo and healing stuff. And it just, it yeah, it's got, it's got like combos, so... You get on a kill streak and then it will give you. I can't remember. I, I assume it might be called rage, but it gives you like a, a mental mode where you're just yeah. you can just go around and it, you get a little pink tinge over the screen and then you can, everything goes in like 1.5 speed and you can just punch people almost like Berserker. You know yeah. the Berserker pickup in Doom. Um, really similar to that. You also you get this like boomerang blade <laughs> weapon thing which you throw with the um, right shoulder button. So. W- as well as shooting and lobbing grenades and everything else, you're able to <laughs> chuck these spinning uh, boomerang blade thing around and just take off people's heads with it. It's, it's just absolutely crazy game. Um, I can't wait to play the full thing. It's not that long now, is it? I don't think. Um, it's, I've already pre-ordered it, so come on, Rage. Um, you also managed to play a very different type of game, uh, which is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Yeah, so again, this isn't a game that I played the first of just because I know I'm hopeless at platformers, but it's a game that I watched quite a bit of streaming and it looked beautiful, sounded beautiful, everything about it looked great. It's just I knew it wouldn't be for me. So I went into this and I was just interested to see what they'd changed for the second game. So there's quite a bit going on. They've added like weapons and things like that in Tori, so that's improved. And the guy with, the guy who was actually, I think he was the lead producer, was like everything that they've done is in there, you know, for a reason, and it's kind of based on. It was kind of comparing it you know, like to all Mario games, where everything was perfect and nothing yeah. was there just to add fluff. Everything's there for a reason. No such thing as a perfect game, Dave. I have to say that. No, now. true, true. But um, there was all kinds of stuff going on. It's the same kind of beautiful world. There was new elements going on with these new weapons and different grappling points and all this kind of stuff from the first game. The thing that I thought was really cool, because if you liked Ori 1, you're probably going to like Ori 2, you know, unless they do something really rubbish with it. The thing that I liked the look of is there's a thing called Spirit Trials that they do in the game, and he compared it to, like, Trials as in the motorbike game. Oh, wow. So okay. as you're kind of adventuring across the world, you'll come across these parts across the map and there's quite a few of them to discover 
And then once you've got them, you can kind of go back there at any time. And it's like a little course for you to go through. And if you played original, you got to kind of jump up and twist and you use your grapple. And then there was like a, a sand area of sand where you could kind of dive into the sand. Yeah, and yeah. When you came up, it gave you like a boost and that. And it was going through this level and it was, does it in like they were doing it. It was connected via live to the Xboxes that they had on the Microsoft stand, the public nice. area. So you were going across. So it'd start off and you'd, You'd have goats next to you, and it'd probably be the worst time, so you'd go really far past them. But then it'd figure out two above you and two below you for your last time. So nice. you'd get their ghosts going through to see where you could, you know, save a bit of time and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was the same as trials, you know, if you, if you mess up, just press B or whatever, and you restart back, back again. again. Nice. And, and they said they tried everything for, like, they were thinking of multiplayer for the game and stuff like that. And they put this in, and they were like, oh, this is going to be a bit rubbish, but we'll try it. And they said, like, the next day, Everybody in the studio came in and had, had like two hours sleep because they'd all been beaten each other <laughs> the night before and stuff like that. Amazing. Yeah, really cool. Amazing. Okay. I, I, I can't remember when that's out. That's that's not out this year, is it? I don't I, I, think. No, I don't think it's actually got a solid release date yet. Okay. I think we're expecting that next year. Um, okay. But something that definitely is coming out this year is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yep. Even though you've put Origins on the, on the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how did you get on with this? I didn't. I didn't get a chance to play this. All right. So I had. I think it was about forty-five minutes of it. They kind of stuck you in a level that was towards the end of the game. They said you like you were level twenty or maybe fifty. I can't remember. And you were going against you know like really high top level guys all the way through. Uh, the main thing I took away was it does seem very similar to Origins in terms of, you know, the world and the character, everything kind of looks similar into the graphical style and all that kind of stuff, which is great because I liked Origins. Uh, the biggest difference is the actual combat, which is, they've kind of mixed up again from last time around. So in Origins, you could have a shield and, you know, there was kind of a bit of a, a cheese way of fighting where you could just kind of hold LB and keep your shield up constantly if people yep. were attacking you. So now you have no shield, so you, it's a lot more about parrying and you know dodging and all that kind of stuff against the normal enemies. They've also got some kind of special abilities in it, similar to kind of rage. Jumper in Origins, you had a thing where you could press heavy attack and light attack, and it'd do like a super duper attack. Yes. So that meter that you're building all the time through killing other enemies. You can use that at points before then now. So there was four abilities I had. One where I could give myself instant health, so if you're in a bit of trouble. There was one that was like a shield break. You just kind of snatch the shield off your enemy so you could hit them. And then the other one was like if you're surrounded, it was kind of like a ground pound thing where you jump in the air and it would slam them and knock them all over and give you a bit of space. And the other one I didn't get to use, but I think it was that kick off a cliff thing to know that they had on the yeah, trailer. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the main difference. At the end of it, I went fighting... Medusa, which has been released as a trailer shortly afterwards, I think that week or maybe just after at Gamescom. I was reading other people's thoughts on it and people were saying they struggled with it. So I think I did all right to actually get to the end and beat it. But it was quite involved kind of boss fight. Do you remember Curse of the Pharaohs? Like it was yes. quite involved on it. It's, it's similar kind of that, different waves of attack and all that kind of stuff. But if you like Origins, I think you'll definitely like Odyssey. And the thing that you were worried about, you know, the conversation RPG stuff. Oh, and the got yeah. That well, I think I had twice in the forty-five minutes, and it was like okay. one one point where I could say yes or no, and he said it doesn't alter it. You could just click anything, really. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> okay, cool. I will um, endeavour to. I see so much coming out this year, but maybe we'll, we'll look at that as well. <gasps> oh my god! Okay, so let's rattle through. Thursday. In fact, we better not rattle through it because there's some there's some more big titles in here. Um, <laughs> Black Ops Four. I played. I played. I went into the session. Um, they'd mucked up our timings, <laughs> which is a bit annoying. So I went in at a different time to when I was supposed to, and I went into this dark room. And there's I don't know uh, sixteen PCs. I think they were all set up, but with the Xbox controllers. Um, and everyone was playing it already. It was a really dark room. And I walked in and there was a guy at the top of the room and I said, oh, am I too late? And he was like, oh, no, this is the dev team. Uh, all these all these 16 people, you just sit wherever you want and some guy <laughs> will, will move for you. So I was like, oh, brilliant. So it's just me against 15 people who know the game absolutely inside out. Um, but actually, 
I really, really enjoyed it. The weapons felt amazing. The matches we played, we played loads of different game modes and all of them felt like you were constantly in the action. Um, we're going to come on to Battlefield 5 in a bit, but every time I died, I was, you know, within 10 seconds, I was back in the firefight. If I got hit once or twice by a bullet, it didn't kill me. I could go off and take a medipack and you do need to consume medipacks. There's no auto healing in this game. Um, the guns felt amazing. Changing like the classes felt really good. And I got loads and loads of kills, which is obviously the thing that makes you enjoy a game the most. Um, at least one of these types of games is if you actually succeed in killing people. And I ended up with a pretty much a 50, 50 kill death ratio, which is pretty unusual for me. Um, <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed it. And I know I'm probably not going to pick it up because there's no single player and single player call of duty things are pretty much the only reason I play them. Um, but if you like uh, Call of Duty Online, you will. I'm pretty sure you will love uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. So it is recommended from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, uh, I'm just going to briefly talk about Wreckfest. Uh, Wreckfest is a Destruction Derby-style game with an incredible physics engine where absolutely every piece of metal and plastic and nut and bolt in the game is actually a real thing and can break off the car and it is mad we played it last year at gamescom and i think we were both surprised how much we enjoyed it um we're just totally impressed by the physics engine Uh, i played some proper races this year uh on like big tracks and stuff which is weird because as you're going around more and more cars are getting (laughs) trashed and and this track was actually designed so that it had a cross cross (laughs) <laughs> path on it so you went round and then you went across the track again in a different direction uh, which just led to complete carnage but um it was quite interesting because it has a real different dynamics of the game because you're you're trying to stay out you're trying to obviously win the race but at the same time you're trying to stay out of da- getting too much damage so you're almost slowing down when you're coming up to things like the crossroads to make sure that you don't hit anything else um but very very cool game uh, there's other destruction like traditional destruction derby modes as well where you're in a um, in a like a ring arena oh, type thing. I used to love that. There was an old game called Destruction. Derby. Yeah, Destruction Derby on PlayStation. Yeah, and that's what they said a lot of the inspiration had come from. Uh, there was two game modes in that. There's Last Man Standing, and then there's one for you get points for every takedown you do. And again, even though I played those on the same map with the same car and the same number of enemies, completely different tactics required. If it's Last Man Standing, you're staying away out of trouble as much as you can, yeah. almost letting everybody else take each other out first. Um, whereas the one where you get points for um, takedowns, then it's all about just you know hitting the back end. Of, <laughs> if you get the angle right, it's so satisfying. Um, so that game is awesome. I, I'm looking forward to when that finally drops. Um, should we talk a bit about Battlefield Five? Yeah. Okay, so we played this on EA's um, trade stand. Uh, there was lots and lots of people playing it. The, the basically our entire map was full. Um, it's set in World War Two, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, hmm. I did not enjoy this map at all, <laughs> uh, mainly for all the opposite reasons why I enjoyed Call of Duty. I felt every time I spawned, I had to walk <laughs> miles and miles to get back into on the action, and then I'd get shot once, and that'll be it. I'd be dead again, and I'd have to respawn <laughs> miles away. So, um, and I lost my sunglasses while I was playing it. Uh, <laughs> so all sorts of reasons for me not to enjoy Battlefield 5 I know you uh, missed out on chicken noodles as well and yeah and so I've been after chicken noodles the whole time we've been at Gamescom this was like the end of day 4 and I still hadn't found any and then going to the EA trade thing and there's a big area in the middle that says like food and on the, on the menu board it said chicken noodles I was like yes finally I can get some chicken noodles Walks up to the thing, I was like, I'll have a large bowl of chicken noodles, please, because it's all free in there. They're like, oh, we've run out. I'm really sorry. We've just got donuts. I was like, oh, man, donuts are not what I need. Uh, so, yes, Battlefield Five is not for me for, for many reasons listed above. What did you think, Dave? It wasn't the best way to show the game at all. Cause you walked in, you picked up the controller, and it was mid-game. I had no idea if we were playing with real people or bots or what. There was loads of people around. There's probably about, there must have been about 200 PCs playing Battlefield, I yeah. guess. Got no idea if you were playing with other people or just yourself. And it was bots in there. And you kind of joined mid games. So you'd already, you, like when you start a game of Battlefield, you know, you've got the tanks, the planes are nearby. You can quickly get around the map. So, like Richard was saying, you started and you were, I don't know, 
two minutes away from the nearest yeah. flag or something to go and capture. And then it was lots of really built up areas. So if people were already camped out in those buildings, as soon as you walked in, you were dead. I got a bit better as kind of like I went on after about 15 minutes. I found some ways, you know, that I could kind of sneak past people and got a few kills. But it, it okay. seemed very much like Battlefield 1 to me. There wasn't anything groundbreaking in it. I mean, it, it, it looked like new maps for Battlefield 1, to be honest, and new weapons. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I will buy this game because I thought the single-player experience of Battlefield 1 was one of the best Exactly, it's, it's the worst of the kind of interest. Yeah. Me most, so. Uh, so I'll be getting it anyway. And ironically, <laughs> out of the two games, I miles preferred Call of Duty Black Ops <laughs> 4, but I will actually be buying Battlefield uh, purely for the single-player. Maybe I'll buy Black Ops 4 and just try and get into that multiplayer. Maybe, maybe it's time I tried to do that. But yeah, that was slightly disappointing. But um, as I say, the, I'm sure the single-player stuff will be absolutely spectacular in that game. So I'm very much, much looking forward to playing that. We did a little showcase event with Namco, with Bandai Namco, um, in which we played uh, seven games like really quickly. And it was a bit intense. Um, <laughs> I think four of them were, or three of them at least, were anime-style beat-em-up games, either just one-on-one or... Uh, running around a map, like yeah. adventuring around. Uh, they all merged into one for me, which sounds a bit harsh if you like that <laughs> genre. Uh, <laughs> but um, I haven't really got a lot to say about those because I don't, I don't play those sorts of games normally, and none of them particularly stood out to me as being particularly amazing. No, I played Ace Combat Seven and didn't really have a clue what I was. They, they, they seemed to throw us into a mission that was felt like it was about halfway through the game. Uh, I just kept firing off missiles. There was about a million things to shoot. Yeah. And I wasn't really sure which ones I was supposed to be going for. Um, but I quite enjoyed that. I mean, I was flying the ship around, shooting a lot of stuff, so that was okay. Uh, the far more interesting stuff for me were two games called uh, Twin Mirror and uh, The Dark Pictures Man of Medan. Or Medan or Medan. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But Twin Mirror was uh, super interesting. It was a sort of story-driven um, drama game, I suppose you you could call it. It was yeah. You wake up in a hotel with a spectacular hangover um, and it's about trying to figure out what happened to you the night before. Yeah, you just got a bloody shirt, I mean, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so yeah, the various bits become apparent as you're wandering around. And, and the really unusual take on this is that you can go into your memory. So you will find items in real life in the hotel room and then you can add them to your memory and then go to your memory and then play back different possibilities of what happened and it will tell you if you did them right. And then if you do do them right, then it will suggest something else that you might find in real life. So you'll swap back and you'll go and say, all oh, right, yeah, here's why there's a dent in the wall. It's from this that I threw at it. And then you'll find that thing that you threw at the wall and then you can put that back in your memory and go back in and, and relive that bit and find out what happened. And it it was like a mystery game. Um which to normally to me, I don't think I'd find that particularly interesting, but I think it worked really well. And I, I was actually really annoyed that we didn't get to find out what happened. <laughs> uh, I imagine that's the whole game though. Yeah, so yeah, it would have been yeah. spoiler spoilerific. But I, I, I really enjoyed that and it was very different yeah, uh, it, to the stuff I normally like. It seemed kinda of like life is strange, you know, like a walk yeah. point and click and lots of story going on. The only thing I did notice was he had a lot of kind of dialogue with himself going on and it just it seemed so awful yeah there was a lot of talking to yourself stuff yeah yeah no i do agree with that really fake and forced like it didn't i don't know but yeah the game looked really cool really interesting concept yeah very different wasn't it um that was cool and then another quite different game um was called this uh the dark pictures man of men thing which was stunningly beautiful uh real life uh, horror. I suppose it was a horror game, but I only found that out afterwards. The, the level we played wasn't particularly horrific. Uh, but you're playing a character. It's sort of third person. It felt almost a bit like Resident Evil traditional style. So the camera was sort of fixed in a room. And then as you moved around, the camera would move to another position. And you'd carry on moving the characters around. But um, it didn't really explain what was going on. It just sort of threw you into this uh, level where we were on a, like, a derelict boat and there was a guy that had a gun in, in the character's back, um, making them move through the ship, um, exploring like the various 
uh, rooms on the ship and and it was slightly odd uh, i didn't really understand what was going on particularly but i thought it was really cool and it looked absolutely amazing so with a bit more clue clue as to how the game plays i think that could be a really good one but it depends on the story obviously just something like that but it looks absolutely stunning I didn't play that one because I thought it was a PS4 game only. But it, it looks look like a PS4 title. You know, it's got that look. Well, that I, when, Horizon Zero Dawn look. When we went in, because it was just, it was like a, the start screen of a PlayStation 4, wasn't it? And there was just lists of games that you could choose. And I just go, I went on TA and looked at them all up you know, to see which ones were Xbox, which weren't. Because it was quite a few that I didn't touch that were just PlayStation. And I think that that dark pictures had just been revealed like that week. So we hadn't got it on set yet. That's why I missed it, unfortunately. Okay. I I thought it was quite good. And then I think we should talk about at least one more game, Dave. Cyberpunk. Oh, I thought you meant Fishing Sim. Well, we can talk about Fishing Sim if you want. <laughs> no. uh, so, yeah, Cyberpunk was probably the my most anticipated thing to see all week. It had since E3, people have been raving about it. And all week, they were giving out these kind of statues to people who've been in. So you saw all these people from press walking around with them. And everybody was really intrigued about what they had and what was going on. So I went into, I think it was about 50 minutes. Unfortunately, it's the 50 minutes that they've actually released after I got back from Gamescom. So there was no point doing any kind of coverage on it because you can watch it for yourself. But uh, yeah, What were your thoughts on the 15 minutes? It was really well done. They had a guy actually playing it. So, and then another guy kind of commentating on what was going on. The game looked visually, it looked great. The world, as soon as they walked out, there's a bit where you do like a little mission, it's really dark and stuff. Then you go out into the world and it opens up and it's just so, so vertical and vast. And these people, you know, walking on the streets and it's just like, this game is going to be insane if they can actually pull it <laughs> off. Like, I don't. They haven't said a date at this, so no idea no. when this is going to come. There's so much detail in there, and then so we did this first little mission, and it was kind of kind of straightforward, and it was in like a room, rooms and walking around and stuff. And then later on, you went to this. I think it's like a doctor in the game, and the game's all about augmentations that people can get. So you get an augmentation that kind of puts something in your hand where you link to your gun, so you can kind of see. Do you know, you, so you get like a hood on screen, so it makes it feel like it's done in a some stupid, like a realistic way rather than the hood being there all the time. It kind of links into the story and seems natural that it would be there. And then she got all these crazy, <laughs> crazy things like ricocheting bullets off walls and being wow. able to fire through things. And the combat just looks insane. It, like a, they kept reinforcing to, to us in there that it was, you know, they made The Witcher 3, and it was a very RPG-heavy, the game. But from what you saw, it just looked like a, a kind of action game. You know, it's the, it's first person, loads of shooting, all this crazy fighting going on. So I, I'm way interested in it, even though it is, might be quite RPG-heavy. Just the gunplay in it looks so fun. I'm going to wait for you to play it before, <laughs> right. I, before I get it. You'll get sucked It didn't grab head. me. I only watched the first, I watched probably the first five minutes of that. So yeah, yeah, the first thing was quite slow. Like that's, I think it's kind of introducing to the character in the world. But after when it when when it kind of opened up and there was loads of choices going on, you know, like you could side with people or not, and all that's going to affect gameplay. They just so much detail. I just I can't see how soon it's going to arrive because it just looks so ambitious. Yeah, I think if anybody I, can pull it off, it's them because obviously The Witcher Three is beloved huge, by yeah. everybody apart from us two. I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, look, if it's got guns, I mean, I love Mass Effect Two. That was like one of my favorite games ever, probably. So that's got RPG stuff quite running away through it quite a lot. So maybe I would like it. But uh, yeah, I haven't ruled it out. I just didn't, maybe I watched the rest of that video, but the first five minutes didn't grab me. Yeah, maybe fast forward to about yeah. Half an hour in or something. Yeah, and just the crazy stuff. And that was just early on in the game, I think. You know, you can get all these augmentations that are going to do so much. And the world just looks so interesting to explore as well, I think. It's okay, going to be cool. impressive. We played lots of other stuff, but we'd be here all night if we keep talking about <laughs> everything. But that's there. those were the highlights, I think, uh, of what we played. 
we should probably mention Xbox Fan Fest. We were lucky enough to get invited along to Xbox Fan Fest, which was on a boat this year. Yeah. Major Nelson has um, put up a video of some highlights from it. It was absolutely nuts. When we, <laughs> we got down to the dock and we looked, there were so many people there and the boat didn't look particularly, I don't know why, but when I was looking at the boat from the dock, it didn't look massive. Yeah. Um, and then when we actually got on it and all the people got on it, it didn't feel like we were on a boat at all. It felt like we were in some amazing like game emporium. <laughs> it was like, like three arena. Floor, yeah, it? it was absolutely incredible. But the floors were like double height. They had this like balcony area. Loads of Xboxes set up. We didn't we didn't play anything because we'd already played everything. But it was amazing to watch all the Xbox. They were, I mean, they're proper fans. They were absolutely. It was just a constant chart of Xbox, Xbox. <laughs> all right around the place. And they'd even put a bowling alley on the top, like on the on the top deck yeah, uh, with, with an actual mechanism to bring the ball back. And <laughs> it was absolutely nuts. And all the guys from Xbox that we spoke to were absolutely awesome. Uh, shout out to AC and to Jeffrey Mustang as well. They're just really nice spending some time with those guys. Um, plus all the people that came to talk to us. I, I said, <laughs> I put a tweet out before we went saying I'm, um, we're going to FanFest. Uh, I've got some TA merch on. If you see us, don't be afraid to come and say hi. Because quite often I've been to things and people have said, oh, the next day I'll get a tweet saying, oh, I saw you at this thing last night, but I didn't want to come and say hello because uh, I was embarrassed or I didn't want to, you know, um, ruin your night, not ruin your night, <laughs> but disturb you while you're talking to people. So I said, don't worry about any of that. Just come and say hello. And so many people did. And it was absolutely amazing. There were people there with TA merchandise on. Yeah. Um, fans from the site for like 10 years since day one it was absolutely awesome and everybody i met was so lovely and it was amazing to meet so many fans so thank you all for coming and saying hello and it we'll try and do this said we'd do a shout out for one of them called not sat who uh, came and said hello and said he listens to the podcast every week so hello, not sat. <laughs> yeah hi um and thank you to everybody that came and said hello because it was oh, it meant so much to me it was like made, <laughs> that made my whole whole week uh, that experience and you hopefully we'll do toilet, it could you? every time I got close to it people kept grabbing me and saying can I take a picture I was like oh, okay um, but no it was wicked and hopefully everyone got a chance to play some wicked games while they were there and we had some PUBG beer oh yeah <laughs> loads oh. anyway it was spectacular thank you to everyone at Xbox for inviting us along to that because we had the best time yeah okay I think that's a wrap Thank you for joining us today. Apologies it's taken so long to get this out. Um, we do have various videos going up over the coming week. Uh, as Dave said, Rage is up now. I'm going to tweet out a little link to that from my account. Um, but we've got preview stories coming up for a lot of these things as well. So uh, check out the site over the coming week, and we'll be back with a regular podcast probably on Friday. Yeah. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.